Greetings from the Athletics Recreation Center. A few pre-pod announcements for you. Children are to be under the supervision of a parent or guardian at all times. Valparaiso University is a smoke-free campus. Please refrain from using tobacco products anywhere on university property. We thank you for your cooperation. And now your hosts from Las Vegas, Nevada, Parker Gatewood, and from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Paul Oren. Welcome to Union Street Hoops! Greetings and welcome to Union Street Hoops, a, well, it used to be a weekly podcast that we would have every week to talk about Valparaiso basketball, um, but, you know, the holidays get in the way, and now technology has gotten in the way, and, and Parker, the studio that we record in is uh, basically underwater, relatively right. speaking. It's kind of all over the place. So, how did we do this? How did, how did, we, we're, we're a Valpo basketball podcast that you can get every week on iTunes or NWI.com. And we would record an episode every week during the summer in the mm-hmm. off season, and then the basketball season started, and we just go dark. Right. Yeah. It doesn't really make sense, does it? It's it doesn't like at all. Reverse logic. Almost. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the last time that episode forty-one was like November 9th. That's, That's a long time ago. Seventeen days ago. That's yeah. And today is November twenty-eighth. Valpo is seven games into the season, which is like almost twenty-five percent of the way through their year. Seven wins into the they season. They are seven wins into the season, and we're going to try to talk about those. Yeah, right. But some of these games happened like during the Clinton administration. It's been <laughs> sure. so long. Yeah, and uh, you know, apologies. So we tried. We were gonna we were gonna record last week, um, following the the uh, the Samford game, and uh, and what happened was. Uh, you know, the game went long a bit, and it was late, and we were both leaving town the next morning, yep. I think, and, mm-hmm. and it was like we could record at 11 o'clock at night, but Buffalo Wild Wings sounded better, <laughs> and it just, so apologies to all of the fans who, who listen, and... And thank you for listening, Thank you for listening, and it's been, a, I can't believe it's been seven games, and we haven't... Yeah, yeah, no, it's crazy. I mean, we, you know, we just... You know, there's now we just have more to talk about. We do have more to talk about, and let's start talking about it. Sure. Um, the first two games are irrelevant, and that's why we didn't do a podcast for those because yeah. I don't care if Valpo plays non-division one teams. No, I get there. it. I understand you got to fill out the schedule, but I don't. What I really like this is what I would hate, and this is actually what's really depressing to me. Alec Peters, for as good as he is, his career high is against a non-division one team. Yeah. Like, if you look at, like, what was the best game that Alec Peters had? It was against Trinity Christian. Right. Was that 39? 36. 36 points. Okay. And, yeah. Well, well, no, wait, wait. No, that was his best game last year. I think, didn't he drop 39 Yeah, I was going to say, I remember almost 40, yeah. Ignore everything I just said. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know what? So, you know what's interesting about those two games? You and I both talked about it um, during, I think, the end of the Trinity Christian game. And we were both saying... You can't really learn anything from these games. You can't gain any knowledge, and you can't, you know, a lot of games, there's takeaways, and there's things you can say, hey, this stood out, this is positive, or this is negative. When you play a North Park, when you play a Trinity Christian, you don't really get takeaways. You get these games that... Well, that had a lot of steals. Well, sure, yeah, those had a lot of takeaways. takeaways. That's fair. But you get, you know, you get these games where you expect them to blow a team out, it happens... And you don't know how much stock you can put into anything. Yeah, it's difficult. Just because I, I like to do research here, I can't tell you that uh, Alec Peters had 39 points at Detroit his junior year and right. had 36 
at home against Trinity Christian his senior year, 36 and 15. Sportspassports.com lists that performance by Alec Peters as the greatest individual college basketball performance I've ever seen. Oh, yeah. I like that's that website. That's an interesting site. Yeah. No, it's a great site, but here's why that site is full of garbage. And it's a great <laughs> site. You should go to it, sign up, and I like the guys that do it there right. and everything. Wait a minute. You went to the final four. Yeah, but there was not a great performance. Grayson Allen did okay, but he didn't have, like, a statistical great performance. Yeah. Haven't you seen Valentine play? So, yes, that's the thing. That's the point. Denzel Valentine, I saw him get a triple-double at the Champions Classic a couple of years ago in Chicago, and that's not even on my top ten of greatest performances. Oh, of course. So, again, the 36 and 15. My whole point about this is that non-Division one games pad your stats that don't matter much in the RPI. Mm-hmm. I get it with this team, though, because it's like they're young, they're new. You had a couple of players who, you know, went to jail and had to uh, had right. to sit out sit some out. games. And so it's good that you uh, you get that stuff out of the way. What I find hilarious, though, is Valpo. Oh, we didn't schedule the games that way. Whatever. <laughs> you scheduled two non-Division one right. games at the beginning <laughs> of the year. You got them out of the way. You got some confidence for your players. The season really, for me, started on November 15th mm. at Southern Illinois Edwardsville. And, uh, and that was a fun one for me. My mother came to town. Yes. And, uh, and I was so, it was the first time my mom had been here in a while, like during like the school year. And, uh, and I said, Mom, I'm so glad you're here. We have to go to Buffalo Wild Wings and watch a basketball game because I have to report on it. <laughs> and she said, what? And, and so we went into, uh, to Buffalo Wild Wings, and they had the, uh, was it the OVC Network or something like that was mm-hmm. on. And uh, it was good. There were a lot of Apple fans that were there. And, and, uh, and again, what did Valpo learn from that one? SIUE is a sub-300 RPI team. Uh, Valpo wins 94-69. to 69. I was, you know, as we were looking through the box scores here prior to us doing this, I, I was trying to make a mental note as to something that stood out about each game. And there was really nothing. I mean, Tavon Walker was good. Makari mm-hmm. Evelyn. Evelyn. We Evelyn, gotta, yeah. Yeah. Evelyn was good. After all that time of saying Evelyn. Bakari Evelyn's going to be great. No, Bakari <laughs> Evelyn was good. This was Joe Burton's first game, and this is what stood out to me, Parker, is that Joe Burton came in, uh, didn't, I don't think he did anything in the first half, really. Um, he missed both shots that he took. He didn't have any points, but he didn't force it. Yeah. Look at this. What would you do if, I mean, so well, you, you've, you've trained for American Ninja Warrior. Sure. You just are coming off injury right now, yep. you know. That first workout back, do you feel like you need to make up for every workout that you missed? Uh, I mean, well, no, but that's just because, you know, I've been doing it, training in such a way for a while now. You know, you kind of learn as you get older what you can do and your limitations and things like that. Um, but, I mean, obviously, you know, you're very anxious to get back at it. You I think you put more pressure on yourself to kind of get back into the swing of things quicker, right? So you don't, you know, not, you don't necessarily go outside of what you can do physically because you, you've pr- more than likely you've probably tried that before and it yeah, didn't yeah, pan yeah, out yeah, so yeah, well. Yeah. But um, but you you do tend to kind of you know get in a hurry. So uh, Joe Burton in that game, I thought. Uh... I expected him to try to score 20 points on the first shot that he right. took. You know, like, yeah. And I didn't feel like he forced anything. No. And, and he played, he ultimately played well. And, and But it's interesting because what we saw in the first half of that game um, has kind of become what we're seeing a lot in the first half mm-hmm. of Joe Burton, where he's not 
he's not as aggressive of a player as I thought he'd be. Yeah, know? I think we've kind of both just penciled Joe in as the second option scoring-wise on and this team preseason. Uh, and honestly, I thought that Joe Burton would be the number one option scoring-wise. Yeah. No, nothing, no, it's took nothing away from Tavon, but Tavon had never been in the lead role before, mm-hmm. and so I thought maybe – Maybe it's a comfort thing, and maybe yeah. Javon didn't need to be in the lead role, and that right. Joe Burton would kind of assimilate, maybe not to an Alec Peters role, but more of a Shane Hamming type role. Yeah, definitely. And, and so that's been interesting to watch. Um, and then, uh, so Valpo came back, and they played two games and two nights, or two games and three nights in mm-hmm. the uh, in the Savannah Invitational home games. They played Southeastern Louisiana, <laughs> which was a phenomenal game in that it was like a four-point game in the second half. And then, like, minutes later, it was a 26-point game. And the way it was done was with reserves, with the backups. Right. And this is something that I've noticed here and, and, and was really interesting. Like, if we look at the minute differential breakdown, Parker Hazen starts – and he averages 13 minutes a game. Yeah. Um, y- you know, I mean, the others, Jay Soroya starts and averages 15 minutes a game. Mm-hmm. Max Joseph comes, comes off, off the, the bench, bench and averages 20 points or 20 minutes a game. Yep. It's, uh, it's very odd. Marcus Golder comes off the bench and averages 20 minutes a yeah, game. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. I didn't realize that Kaiser is averaging 17 minutes a game this year. Kaiser averages 17 minutes a game. I did a breakdown yesterday where I looked at minute differential between the first and second half. Mm-hmm. Kaiser averages four minutes more a game in the second half wow. than he does in the first half. That's the biggest jump. Yeah. Uh, and that tells a lot, really, you know, because that's, I mean, that's where games are crucial, right? And and now, uh, I mean, they have also blown teams out. So. That's the thing, too, is some of these numbers are skewed because of the fact that they've blown these teams out so mm-hmm. that, you, you know, the starters aren't going to play deep into games. Right. But... but it's also not really been that because I did I only factored in the the non D or the the Division One games when I mm. looked at this minute breakdown. So I didn't I didn't look at how they kind of coasted through those those other games. And yes, SIUE was a blowout, and Southeastern Louisiana is a blowout on paper. But that was a game that was right there with mm-hmm. you know you know and in the second half. The following game uh, when came back home. Against Sanford, that was a game that was really close for for a while. Yeah, and and then Max Joseph played 17 minutes in the second half in that game. Yeah, and look, he started two games, but those were the non D1 games, right? And and so Max played 17 minutes in the second half against Sanford. The minute differential is is fascinating to me because it's it's what Lodic is doing right now is he he plays almost everybody in the first half. Mm-hmm. He he plays ten guys pretty quickly in the game. Right, Kaiser comes in around the ten minute mark. He doesn't come in with the first wave. He comes in around the ten minute mark. Mm-hmm. Linson hasn't played much in the first half, except for in the Kent State game when Soroya and Smiths walked onto the court with two fouls apiece, basically. Right. And Linson played thirteen minutes in the first half yep. against. So in in Linson, I mean, Linson won the game. I mean, he, I mean, he played he very kept well him in the game against yep. Kent State. Joe Burton's three pointer, Bakari Evelyn's free throws won the game, but um, Linson kept them in the game when when they needed to be. Sure, but so we've seen this kind of substitution pattern where he'll he'll play the first five pretty early on. He'll get some guys in, and then he'll 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 get Kaiser in later. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and 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 he he talked about this with Todd Eichau on their uh, the Inside VU Athletics kind of weekly thing they do on BalfoAthletics.com. Yeah. Well, before you finish that, can I just say I so I love Coach Lodic, right? But I watch the Valpo Basketball Weekly. Is that what it's called? Yeah. For Todd's yeah. voice. Oh, it's great. No, Todd's fantastic. <laughs> it's, the, it's the best. And shout out to Todd, who listens all the time. Yeah, all thanks, his, Todd. Big, big, big That's li- my guy. Big uh, listener. He's great. Uh, but it's great. It's fun watching. I, I love watching those video clips when, when like, when Todd's leading Lodic down to a question. And like, he, gets, <laughs> he gets excited when he wants right, to talk yeah. about, oh, about yeah. a player. And uh, it's great. I love it. It's, right. it's, such a, it's such a fun. Shout out to the guys that put that video package yes, together. Yes, indeed. So... Anyways, uh, so what they were saying was Lodic is, is going to spend the first half finding out who's going to play in the second half, finding mm-hmm. out who's hot. And maybe, I mean, I guess everybody does that. But, but in a way, you know, he's basically saying, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take you in the first half. We're going to find out who's here, who's, who's rolling tonight. Yeah, who's in the game, so to speak. And, and for some players, the ones that when they're on, they're great, are like Micah Bradford, when he's rolling – you got to. You can't take him off the right. floor. Yeah. When Malik McMillan is rolling, you can't take him off the floor. Sure. But M- Malik McMillan's a freshman. There are times that he's come on in the first half, looked like he's not there, mm-hmm. and then he'll only play three minutes in the second half, or won't play at all in the right. second half. And uh, and and Linson too is uh, has been somebody who's who's really deep. And, and you know, a lot of people were saying if if he's only going to play a handful of minutes, they should redshirt him. Well. You can't redshirt him when you realize that if Smiths and Soroya get in foul trouble, he's the next guy you go to. Yeah, and uh, I and it's funny because Linson ended up having double figures in that Kent State game, despite Parker Hazen starting every game this year and Malik McMillan having some breakout games too. Martin Linson was the first freshman to get to double figures and points in a single game. Right, and, and so that was good. Another thing interesting about the minutes. Here is that everyone that's played, so how many people is that, 12? So 12 players, all of them have averaged to this point over 10 minutes Yeah, double figures in minutes. And, and Kaiser is the craziest one, Yeah, too. 17. That's... Kaiser's got nine assists and two turnovers in 17.4 minutes a game. It's impressive. He's four of six from the three-point line. He's nine of 14 from the from the field. He's taken 21 free throws already. Yeah. Like, Valpo's gotten to the free throw line 63 times more than their opponents. When you look at, when you look at Kaiser's stat line, it's a, it's a really intelligent stat, yeah. right? Because you look at the shots he's taking. He's making, you know, a high percentage of them. You look at it both. That's both just from the field in general, also from three. He's gotten to the free throw line quite a bit. And 76% is fine. That, yeah, converted there. You mentioned the assist-to-turnover ratio. And he's got nine offensive rebounds. Right. right. So, I mean, that's it, it kind of just screams high IQ and knows his role, right? Now, this is what's interesting about Kaiser is that, like, he was a walk-on. He's not a walk-on yep. anymore. Aaron Levitt pointed this out to me. He's like, when are fans going to get over the fact that he's not a walk-on anymore? Because right. like, every time we look at Kaiser, it's like, like we kind of are conditioned to look at walk-ons the way that I look at it when I play basketball. Oh, wow, look, he hit a shot. That's awesome. Good for him. <laughs> okay. Like, that's how I feel when I play basketball, right, you right. know? Now, like, when Tavon goes out there and he misses a shot, 
we're like, oh, that's that's he's not supposed to miss. Right. But, like, if a walk-on makes a shot, oh, Jason Karras, how awesome. That's great. <laughs> okay, well, there's a difference between Jason Karras and John Kaiser. And there's a difference between me and those oh, guys, Oh, okay, too. well, yeah, but that's fair. What I'm saying is that, like, Kaiser is – is he always going to be the underdog story? Or can we finally say, look, not only is, is the production great, but we expect that production. You know, as long as he wears the mask, he might yeah. still have the underdog I think story. you're right. I think, I, think that's, I think you're right. And you're, you weren't here for the Jake Diebler years, but Jake Diebler wore number 33 and <laughs> wore a mask. And Kaiser is, you know, I, and this is no dig on Kaiser, and I know it's going to sound like one, but... Most of the time, I wonder if you put ten players out there, is Kaiser one of the? Is he like number nine or ten most talented oh, no, on the yeah, floor? Sure. But he's one of my first people I want on my team. Right. You know, it's such a, It's so unique to watch him and kind of how he slipped through the. I don't know where people were sleeping on John Kaiser no. in high school to not. I mean, Valpo got him very late in the process mm. and uh and he's been he's been fantastic uh let's talk about marcus golder yeah definitely he's got nine dunks already <laughs> i mean right he, he's done he's done a little bit of everything when you when you look at what he you know when you talk in intelligent stat lines too he's 55 percent from the floor 50 mm-hmm. percent from three 82 percent from the free throw line he's Third leading scorer, second on the team in rebounds. I mean, everyone, everybody's kind of averaging around four and a half rebounds a game. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a smart player. He doesn't turn the ball over a terrible amount. He's got six blocks. He's got more blocks than this team's got a seven footer <laughs> on the floor at all times. Yep. And Marcus Golder has the most blocks on the team. Yeah, he does, and it's uh, yeah, it's it's by two. Jay has he's four. Got, what yeah. does Derek have? Two. Does was that just the two in the? In the first game, I think or? so. I think Derek is uh, Derek's shot blocking acumen has been, uh, but I don't want to dig on Derek because Derek's shooting seventy seven percent from the floor. No, yeah, right he's been much improved this year. We talk about that during game a lot. Yeah, when we sat next to each other during games, we just kind of look at each other like, okay, Derek Smith's is like, sure, he's outstanding. He's and, been he's played great. Except <laughs> we got we got to talk about the the one time literally. Zero people around the basket. He was under the basket. And, and he just laid it in. Laid it up. You were mad. You were not happy. I, well, I wasn't mad. I was just, like, kind of surprised. Like, he really doesn't dunk very often. Take the easy take the easy points, I guess. Yeah, sure. Why not? Uh, this is interesting. Uh, Derek Smits, Jay Soroya, and Martin Linson are the only three guys yet to attempt a three-pointer on the team this year. And that's uh, – Smits can hit from out there, right? I think he can hit, you know, deeper in range, but I maybe not three. Point. I don't know about yeah. I don't know. I've never seen him consistently shoot, you know, practice shooting from yeah, deep. No, Linson can shoot from out there. I think really? I've seen that in practice. That I didn't know. Uh, Hazen is uh, yet to hit. He's zero of two, mm-hmm. and I've uh, which is crazy to me because like I've seen Hazen hit like fifteen in a row and like shooting. Mm-hmm. I mean, the guy's got range. I mean that right. He, Parker Hazen's best days are to come, I can tell you that much. Sure. The guy has not put together a stat line of what we thought it would be, but but no one's going to outwork that kid. No. He will he will make a big play before this is all said and done. Yeah. And then Max Joseph, kind of surprisingly, is 0 of 7 from the three-point line. Sure. 
and uh, yeah, it's, that's tough. That's well, tough. I, I mean, Max isn't someone that at least I don't think about. You know, that would takes a lot of three point shots. You, you know, going back to last last year, I don't. I think more often than not, if Max had a little bit of space right next to the three point line, he was going to pump fake and drive. You know. Yeah. Uh, okay, so Valpo seven and zero right now. They go to Savannah. They beat Kent State. In a 10-point game, although it was a Joe Burton three-pointer with 28 seconds left. that Yeah, it was really get, close I mean, for a while. Yeah, it was a one-point game with 30 seconds left, and mm-hmm. Joe Burton hits the three, and then Bakari, I think, gets the ball, and they, they call an intentional foul, and he gets four free throws, <laughs> and and, uh, and the game kind of, kind of goes awry there. And then uh, the Wilmington game, another one, Valpo down big early on and uh, down double figures for the first time all season, I believe, in that game. And then... Uh, then they uh, they they come on and they uh, they end up winning that one seventy nine to seventy another really kind of exciting game. Mm-hmm. Was I, that the one that was that the one that Aaron tweeted out broke the streak of Valpo not being tied at halftime? Yeah, thirty five thirty five. It had been two hundred and fifty four games, I think. That's crazy. That, that, since Valpo had been tied at halftime, and and it was it was kind of unique in, in the way that it happened was because it was a three pointer. Uh, I think uh, at the end of the yeah, Micah Bradford, 22 seconds left, hit a three-pointer <laughs> to uh, to tie it, and then uh, Richmond missed the three-pointer at the buzzer for uh, to to send it there, and then and then Valpo uh, you know comes out in the second half and and starts scoring early and often, and then uh, um, you know I think it was 50-49. Uh, uh, Wilmington was up, and then Kaiser made a couple free throws. Bakari made some free throws. Max with the layup, Golder with a three-pointer. All of a sudden, it's like, well, it's a 9-0 run, and Valpo, you know, breaks open the game there. And again, yep. still a game that was still down to four points with you know three and a half minutes left. But mm-hmm. Valpo finally, you know, made the free throws at the end. Tavon Walker uh, doing a lot there, and um, you know, took. Uh, I don't think they they Bakari Evelyn with three fifteen left made the last field goal of the game for Valpo. So uh, definitely getting to the line quite a bit um so valpo's got utah state it's it's tonight so i'm, I'm guessing a lot of people are probably going to listen to this uh you know wednesday thursday friday right. so you already you already heard you know utah state's already come and gone but if, if you do catch this before the game it's exciting it's part of the mountain west missouri valley challenge and to talk a little bit more about the mountain west missouri valley challenge right now we're going to bring in Greg Walter, the Associate Commissioner for the Missouri Valley Conference, uh, Associate Commissioner of Institutional Services. Greg has worked in the Summit League. He's worked at the Big Ten and uh, and also with the University of Utah. You graduated from Northwestern, Virginia School of Law, all over the place. You're at the Valley now. You've been there since 2012. Greg, it is a big week for the Valley. It's been a big couple weeks for the Valley, really, to be honest, with the with the start of the uh, the non-conference season. But a big one, the Mountain West Missouri Valley Challenge tips off on Tuesday night. Valparaiso playing in their first game in the challenge. They'll play against Utah State. And uh, really, it's it's the opening tip of the whole thing. Is at the arc on Tuesday night, Valpo against Utah State. Greg, thanks for joining the program. And, and do you get excited about, about the Valley and Mountain West Challenge? 
Yeah, Paul, thanks for having me. Uh, glad to be on, and, and certainly it's great to have Bob in the league. Uh, it, it's, it's an exciting time of year all around because it, it, in conference world or as a conference staff member, when you get into conference season, you're forced to sort of uh, be neutral and try to uh, provide a foundation for you know fair competition, but really the time we get to root for our programs is in the non-conference, and so it is an exciting time of year. Uh, we're, we're very excited about the Mountain West Challenge when it comes around every year, and so something we look forward to tremendously and uh, certainly glad to have Valpo representing the league in the series. Valpo is going to get a good home non-conference game on Tuesday night against Utah State, a team that's that's always been up in there, you know, in, in, in the Mountain West, has been a very good program. Uh, what? How did this come about? You, we, you know, we talked a little bit before we started here. There, there been this dates back to 2009, but there was a two-year gap where it didn't happen. So there's almost been two different challenges there. How does how, how does a challenge between two conferences come about? Yeah, you know, ultimately it's part of our non-conference scheduling strategy, and and the Missouri Valley and Mountain West are both similarly situated conferences, typically uh, in the top ten conferences or, or sort of right there in the RPI and other metrics. And you know, it's really hard to get good games. It's really hard to get home games, like you said. And so, first and foremost, the Challenge Series was something that came about to guarantee ten games against a league that's uh, you know that's typically going to come in with some really strong teams with some really good records. It's going to help us in the metrics, get us five home games, and, and really it does the same thing for the other leagues, uh, the, the other league. And so, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's really a piece of the puzzle of trying to position our teams for uh, resumes that could get them selected for postseason at large at the end. How are the matchups determined? Is it done on a rotating basis, or is RPI looked at, or, or Ken Palm ratings or anything? To How far in advance do you know who's playing who in these things? Yeah, we look at it uh, about 12 to 18 months out. We start to, to, to map out what the matchup's going to look like. So, you know, we're as the 17 challenge gets underway here tomorrow night, uh, we're already a ways along in trying to identify the matchups for 18. And, and obviously, we'll release those once they're finalized out in the spring. But uh, it, it, essentially, the way it works is uh, we, at the outset of the series, we divide the teams into groups of five, uh, home and away. And so, obviously, uh, our, our five teams that are home this year will play their away teams, and then the same thing will happen. They'll, they'll switch, and but the same groups of five will be playing next year just at their home sites instead of our home sites. Uh, we look at past achievements records in RPI. We do look uh, at projected future rankings and who's going to be back and try to sort of share some information and digest information to uh, try to make the matchups fit. It's certainly in both leagues' interest to have them fit. Anytime you do something 12 to 18 months out, there's an element of uncertainty that comes with it. And so sometimes you end up with matchups that you look at and, and you know, at the end of the day you say, yeah, that turned out to be a really good matchup. Some of the other ones, uh, you know, we've had, we, we've had a few that, you know, you see people leave a program, come in, something like that, or, or the tenor of a program changes and, and, and it ends up being a matchup that's, uh, you know, maybe a top, uh, top team in one league versus a bottom team in the other. But I, I feel like over the uh, three years that I've been here and, and certainly looking back to the initial four years of the challenge from 2009 to 12, we've done a pretty good job of finding good matchups. And, and we were just looking at the, the ones for this year and, uh, you know, it maps out pretty well. There's some absolutely tremendous matchups, certainly Utah State coming to Valpo. Uh, like you said, Valpo coming in, a team with great history and tradition. Utah State has, uh, similarly, I think you'd say the same thing. They have a lot of history and tradition and a, a good basketball brand that a lot of people know. 
Do, is it is it you try to not have rematches the following year? You try. Um, I, I it, we don't have a hard constraint that says you can't do rematches, but I think you know one of the features that the challenge serves for both leagues. I think is it, it, it really shows what we think are the depth of both leagues. You usually you get to the end of the season and people are going to be talking about the team or teams that are in play for selection and uh, you know. But really, I think both leagues are not just strong at the top, but, but strong all the way through the middle and the bottom. And uh, you know, so we really it, it, we do think there's some value in finding matchups and seeing you know different teams in different buildings and giving uh, programs an opportunity to, to get some matchups uh, you know, in different places. Um, so it's not a hard constraint. We we would repeat a matchup if it were sort of the right matchup, but uh, haven't done a ton of that just because we really haven't had to, and, and we think the variation gives the series some value. And that would, for the Valpo fans listening, that would, would probably mean that Valpo next year would play a series of one of a series of four teams, Colorado State, Air Force, UNLV, and San Jose State are all on the road this year, as well as Utah State in the challenge. So those are the teams that would presumably host next year. So Valpo could be looking at going on out to Colorado or uh, or Vegas, which uh, if I have any pull with you, Greg, here, if you could make that work, I'd appreciate it. Um, always a fan of, of going to the Thomas and Mack Center in, in, in Vegas. Uh, it, it seems even last year they were tied 5-5. Uh, in 2015, the Mountain West won it 6-4. to four. Dating back to the first iteration of this, uh, the Valley won it 5-4 to four in 2009. And then uh, and then the Mountain West, man, 2010. I don't Do we even talk about this? Yeah, no, you can just skip right over 2010 and uh, you know, count the eight wins for the Mountain West, and we can move right on to 11 if you want. Uh, eight and one in the uh, in the uh, in the 2010, and then tied four four in 2011, and then Mountain West six and three. So it's been it's been a while since the Valley has has pulled this out, and uh, and I, I really love. It. I'm actually just using the great source of Wikipedia, which you're never supposed to do. Uh, I see that uh, that Northern Iowa's had some success, and Indiana State have both won three games in this, and uh, and Bradley, who is off to a great start this year. Is zero and five in the challenge, and they're going to have uh, they're going to have San Diego State in the final game of the challenge. And is there is there a conference pride there? Do you have any any bets going with people in the Mountain West? Any you know commissioners got to wear a T-shirt or something like that? <laughs> we haven't gotten to all that, but uh, it certainly is a source of pride. It, it definitely is something we look at as uh, you know it's not just a, a source of conference pride, but I think it's a good measuring stick as we head into you know again. The, really the part of the season where you set your conference RPI, you set your conference metrics is the start of the season and the second Friday in November through about uh, about Christmas this year and then you're into conference play and so this is about as big a piece of that as you know really you look at um, the Mountain West Challenge as part of the strategy that includes our teams participating in multi-team events and, and you know and that's a big piece but this is as big a piece as any. There's certainly a lot of conference pride along uh, along the way and while we're you know we think that as long as the series is close it's going to benefit both leagues but no question we want to win it i, I have no doubt they want to win it and uh, so certainly hopefully we'll be able to uh, come down with it over the next week here tuesday night is probably the valley's got a chance to put some distance right off the top you've got valpo undefeated going against utah state missouri state picked to win the league is going against colorado state at home 
And then you've got Loyola, who is undefeated, traveling out to Boise State, where they'll play former Valpo starting point guard Lexus Williams and Boise State at Taco Bell Arena. Um, it, the scheduling, I'm guessing, of this just comes down to building availability, it looks like, because it looks like last year nine of the games were on December 3rd, and then the, the last game was 16 days later on December 19th. Is that Do you pick a certain window that you try to get all these games in? We do, and so essentially what happens, this, is, this year is probably the, the ideal roadmap for how you're going to do it, like you said. Touched on the first three games that are on Tuesday night. Wednesday's got Indiana State hosting Air Force and Northern Iowa hosting UNLV. And then a pair of road games, Evansville at New Mexico, Illinois State at Nevada. And then on Saturday, you've got uh, Southern Illinois hosting San Jose State and Drake traveling to Wyoming. And then the final game on Sunday, as you said, it's all kind of compacted into a week, is you've got Bradley as you know going to San Diego State in search of Bradley for their first challenge victory. Uh, this just it looks great. It looks exciting. Is is uh, I, I guess not to to try to look too much in the future, but um, you know this is the third of a four year agreement. It looks like. Um, when do conversations start to have another agreement? Is it with the, the Mountain West? Is there, are there any other things in the fire? You know, we'd love to do it again. Uh, we're, we're, you know, probably not there yet, but we're probably getting toward the time when those conversations will start. Uh, we'll, we'll certainly, uh, you know, always, always looking for opportunities, trying to talk with other leads and see what might make sense. But Mountain West, is, again, it's, it, it's a really solid fit for us in terms of the competitive profile of the teams top to bottom. I mean, you see from the last couple of years and even just uh, running matchup by matchup, you you know, you see the relative competitiveness of the leagues and, and it's great basketball. It's uh, it's good exposure for the leagues. It's an opportunity. So I, I think we really value the opportunity with the Mountain West, want to continue, uh, certainly committed to using the MTs as a strategy, multi-team events as a strategy, and 
in my time uh, covering Valpo in the Horizon League, their former media relations guy, Bill Potter, used to always, whenever he'd get criticized about having a favorite, he used to always say, we have 10 children at the Horizon League and we love them all equally. Uh, as we look at, at, as you said early on about, you know, this is the time of the year when you kind of get to cheer for these teams. I'm going to put you on the spot with this question. What's been the best story in the first two weeks of the season so far in in the Valley? Is it is it, I mean, you got Indiana State who beat IU is great, and then they've kind of struggled. You've got Bradley, you've got Valpo and Loyola are undefeated. Just what, is there, is there one that around the water cooler in the league offices, you guys are like, wow, look at this? I don't know if there's one, but there, 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 there are a few. I mean, I, I think top to bottom, the, the league has been uh, just incredibly competitive. And, and really, like you said, you know, you, we've got, one team with a losing record, and it's Indiana State that, that beat IU on opening night, and that's a, that's a really good team that's going to be dangerous as we go into not just the second half and non-conference play, but into conference play. Um, Valpo coming into the league and, and the start they've had certainly uh, would, would fall very near the top of the list, as would Loyola. I think any time you take a team undefeated uh, this far into the season, and you know, and both of those teams have, uh, have, have had some good challenges, but uh, some really uh, both of those teams as you get into December and you look at their schedules, they're going to have a chance to prove that those undefeated records are uh, indicative of what their team strength is and really position themselves as we go into conference play. Uh, Bradley's a team that's been sort of on the upswing for a couple of years, and just to see what they're doing I think is, is really rewarding. Drake with a new coach that uh, you know has come in and, and, and went out and uh, took a couple games in a multi-team event against a really tough field, uh, close loss in the third one. You know, that's the team that's Very good. Thank you again to Greg Walter, Associate Commissioner for Institutional Services at the Valley. It's been a fun two weeks. We're looking forward to a great week here as the Missouri Valley and the Mountain West are going to tip off the challenge Tuesday night, Valpo against Utah State at the Arc. Are you, are you going to any of the games? I'm not going to any of the games. Uh, we, we, we've also got uh, some travel for some other things going on, but uh, looking forward to uh, watching it. You'll, you'll, you'll see me uh, somewhere in a press box at a football game with uh, two games up on my uh, mobile devices, and uh, definitely looking forward to seeing what we can do in the challenge. Very good. Thanks, Greg, very much, and we'll talk to you down the line. Thanks. Appreciate the time. Great thoughts there from Greg Walter about the Missouri Valley Mountain West Conference Challenge. Should be exciting again, Valpo tonight against Utah State. And Parker, Valpo hasn't played Utah State since a tournament in Hawaii in the mid-90s, but there is a connection to Utah State, yes. which you astutely just pointed out. Yeah, John Middleton, uh, you know, short tenure at at Valparaiso, but yeah, he he uh, transferred to Valpo. From yeah, from Utah, Utah State. State. Yeah, he played at Utah State, and now is at West Palm Beach. Right. So two years ago, John Middleton was a freshman at Utah State, played in eight games, uh, averaged uh, one point eight points a game, and uh, and 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 transferred to Valpo, and looked like he was going to sit out last year, and. By the time the team photograph was taken, he was suspended from the team and was, like, gone. Right. And he was still here during the first semester, but was just gone. And, uh, ne- like, would, I think I saw him in the stands once at a game, but, like, was, was gone. And, and no one's ever really said anything. I think he probably just didn't like it here mm-hmm. and probably, 
Um, yeah, because his time in Valpo went up in smoke. It never even found out. Never really heard anything of yeah. what happened there. So he's at West Palm Beach now. It's a JUCO college in Florida, and uh, he's averaging six and a half points a game, but he is shooting nineteen percent from the three point line. He is four of twenty one from the three point line, coming off the bench for uh, West uh, West Palm Beach, and I think they have a guy named Chairmaker. On the team, C H I E R, <laughs> Shearmaker. Wow, that's uh, okay. Uh, enough about them. I want to talk to you about about uh, a, a couple things here. One, Valpo plays tonight against Utah State, and then they don't play at home again until December thirty first. Yeah, it's a long layoff it from is being the, at home. I did some research. I believe it. Did. I believe it to be the second longest days away from a, a home game at the Arc. In the Division One era, I think I maybe I'm wrong about this. Uh, they're going to play six games between now and the next time they play at the Arc. They're going to have Purdue, Northwestern, Ball State, a um, handful of other games that are out there, including Santa Clara, UC Riverside, and then at Indiana State to start Missouri Valley Conference play. Yeah, I have my handy dandy Valpo <laughs> pocket schedule that sure, I got at absolutely. Yats the other day. Oh, great, uh, great, great meal. Great the meal. Uh, what's in so it's interesting for me, and I know you know coaches will say all the time, we're focused on this one, we're not looking ahead, right? But let's look ahead because I, you know, I like to do that at least. For this upcoming game, they got Utah State. If they win that one, let's say they win that one. They'll be the second team in the country to go 8-0. And? Unless, unless they go like three overtimes against Utah State, <laughs> and Loyola wins their game against Boise State before Valpo ends. Right. Valpo and Valpo and Loyola both play, and they both have a chance to go 8-0. No. Duke is the only other team that's 8-0 right now. Interesting. So, yeah, that would be interesting. But if, so if they do take that one, that they carry 8-0 into a really into Mackey Arena. crazy Purdue. environment. Yeah, I mean, that's – you know, and obviously – I, I don't know how much different it would be from being a 7-1 team or an 8-0 team. but Valpo will be, Purdue will be favored by 15 points regardless. Yeah, right. But, you know, what I'm trying to think is, if you, if say you're 8-0, if you're a player, you think you kind of walk around and walk into the stadium with more confidence? Like you guys haven't lost yet, right? Sure. So, and I, I know it's you Purdue. You could make an all-star team out of the first eight teams that Valpo's played, <laughs> and they would not beat the second string of Purdue. No, certainly not. I'm just saying. And uh, I, no, like, I agree, yeah. but I, no, I'm trying to think, though. I, I'm just curious if, you know, if you're undefeated, if you're an undefeated Valpo team, would you would you walk into Purdue with, like, a lot more confidence than you would if you would have just lost the, you know, previous night? To, yeah, I would to, think to so. I, I would think so. But, I mean, 8-0, no, 7-1, Valpo's going to... It's a great opportunity for them. Oh yeah, you know, and, and to even have these games on the yeah, schedule, and it's great. You Northwestern, know? And, Purdue, like, and a lot of these teams, like IU or Butler, are won't even play Valpo. No, and so you know, kudos to Purdue for for doing that. Yeah. So and uh, and Purdue has kind of routinely been a team that has said, yeah, we'll play Valpo. Um, Notre Dame doesn't do it. IU doesn't mm-hmm. do it. Butler doesn't do it. And so it's, uh, you know, kudos to Purdue for doing And that'll be a fun one to look at. So, and, and that will start a, I mean, they'll already be a week into basically being away from home. But Valpo has 32 days in between home games. Um, 
the longest stretch, and I want to talk to you about this because this, I was there. I actually, I wrote about this uh, for the torch. I was a senior in college. Wow. December 13th to January 17th, Valpo went uh, oh, man. nine games, 34 days away from the arc. Uh, so it was, uh, they, they played on the 13th, and then they had a couple days off for finals. December 17th, we flew to Hawaii. We were in Hawaii for six days. It's terrible. It was awful. I can't believe they made us do that. Right. Um, we're in Hawaii for six days. We flew home. It's a crazy flight from Hawaii because it goes from Hawaii to L.A., L.A. to Chicago. The time was all messed up yep. or whatever. And uh, and so we got we got home, I think, like the late the 23rd. I went from Chicago to Milwaukee. I opened up presents with my family. I slept. And I turned right back around, and we went back to the airport. In the morning of the 26th, we flew to Arizona. We were in Arizona for five days uh, for the Fiesta Bowl Classic. <laughs> and then we flew from Arizona to Kansas City and then bus to Lawrence, Kansas, where Valpo played University of Kansas. I spent New Year's Eve, December 31st, 2001, at a bar in, uh, in Lawrence, Kansas. Oh Bryce Drew gosh. was the first time I met Bryce Drew. And we did shots of Sprite at midnight. <laughs> the whole team was out. It was like a sports bar. And Homer Drew wanted to have the whole team out. And that was, that was great. Uh, bowl games the next day. And then, then January 2nd, played Kansas. When I went out that night, I don't think I was supposed to go out, but I went out that night and ended up at a bar for Kirk Heinrich's 21st birthday party. Sure. Shows you how old I am. <laughs> Kirk Heinrich was like the oldest guy in that the NBA. That was a good Kansas team. Wasn't oh, yeah. It? Drew, Drew Gooden. Gooden. Yeah, Nick yeah. Collison. Uh, Collison, Gooden. Jeff Boshi was the shooter that yeah. never did anything. Uh, Wayne Simeon was yeah, a Wayne freshman Simeon, on sure. that team. Uh, Jeremy Langford, Aaron Miles. Yeah, that was uh, yeah, That was, was a tough. good team. From from Kansas then, so Valpo had just played Kansas. They played Arizona. They played West Virginia, and then we drove from Lawrence, Kansas, to Macomb, Illinois, for a Western Illinois game. So we get into this is a great story. We get into Western Illinois into Macomb. There's nothing to do in Macomb except for go to the movies. <laughs> okay. When you're on the road, there's nothing to do in Macomb, Illinois, except for go to the movie theater. So the captains choose the movies. Well, there were two movies that were big that were out at that time. Ali with Will Smith. Oh, great. And the first Lord of the Rings movie. Oh, wow. That's, and yeah. so so the players decided that they wanted to go see Ali. Uh-huh. Well, the coaching staff felt uncomfortable about the racial tones of the movie and didn't want to have a... It's 2001. We didn't talk about this stuff. Yeah, like right. It's talked about today. Mm-hmm. And they just said, how about we not go see that movie Let's go see Lord of the Rings instead. So I went to the theater thinking we were going to see Ali. Like, they buy the tickets for you and everything like that. Someone handed me a ticket. We walked in, and Lord of the Rings started. I was out within, like, five minutes. I, <laughs> I slept the whole movie. I never even saw I've never seen it because I we were so tired from the travel that I don't – I think everybody fell asleep. Everyone would have watched Ali, I think. I think it could have been a good conversational movie. But, yeah. um I mean, the entire team. I mean, snoring left and right in the movie theater. Wow. And because, I mean, it's like we'd been on the road forever. And then well, beat Western Illinois, drive from Macomb, Illinois, back to Valpo. A couple days later, fly <laughs> out to Cedar City, Utah. For you fly, to, you fly to Vegas, you bust to Cedar City, Utah. You bust back to Vegas and you fly home. And then they played at Chicago State on, uh, on like, January 12th. 
And then the next home game was against Oral Roberts on January 17th. Nine games, 34 days in between home games at the Arc. That's the longest stretch I could find. That's and, incredible. And this will be the second longest stretch. Uh, and uh, in 05-06, Valpo spent 28 days away from home. But a lot of those were, were in, you know, staying at home. I mean, Valpo here, during this 32-day stretch, I mean, they're playing three teams within three and a half hours right. a year and then mm-hmm. going to California and then playing a, a conference team. That trip in 2001 into 02 was Hawaii, Arizona, Vegas, Kansas. It was it was, it was was a great trip. I oh, loved yeah, it. I bet. I, I loved it. So, all right. Um, one more thing that I want to get to with you, and then we're going to hopefully we're going to bring in our, our second guests of the program. It's episode number 42, and I'm just going to leave it at that. Um <laughs> I did a thing online uh, on NWI.com and on the Valpo message board where yes. I set some over-unders for the season. You did, you did. And I don't even know if you've looked at this list yet. I did, so, actually. So, so I want to I give you each player, and I want to do over-unders. Now, you've got a bit of a head start here because um, we, uh, we, we the season's already, you know. Yep, seven games seven in. Seven games in. Um, so this first one is interesting. Parker Hazen, and I, I did this after... I, I did this by, a by numeric order of player here, right? Um, and, and then uh, I did this uh, after the first exhibition game is when I set these, and so some of these are really really <laughs> skewed already. Yeah, sure. But um, Parker Hazen over under five and a half rebounds a game. Right. So um, we're not we're not on pace for that. Although I'll say, you know I'll say. He's, he's if you still, pick over, you're fine. No, I, I'm not. I I I'll go with under, but he does still start every game, which opens up opportunity for more playing time. So now, do I think it's gonna you know happen that way? No, but I you know I think it could get higher than what one, he's at one point six right now. So it should <laughs> get higher. It should get higher. Um, but I'll take under. All right, Micah Bradford. 33% from the three-point line. Okay. I think he was something like 29% last year. So, yeah. uh, and Todd Eichau has, has said when I had him on that he's got to be at that at that mark, right. 33%. So, you know, Micah shoots a lot. He, he shoots does. a lot. I, I tweeted more shots than a 21st birthday party. <laughs> right. So, but that's that's his role. He's a scorer. And Coach said it, you know, when we bring Micah in, expect him to attack. Expect him to score. So, He's going to put up a lot of shots. So will he will he continue to hit? I've you know, I've seen this kid do shooting drills and you know, he can hit. I'm going to go over. And you're going to go over. He's I'm at 34.6 right now. Yeah. Okay. Tavon Walker, he's he's going to get to the line. He's gotten to the line 41 times already this year. We set the over under at 82.5% free throw shooting, which oh, would be that's a, a gradual increase. Uh, he's not there right now, but is that can he get there? He's that's at, solid. He's that's, at eighty point five right now. That's a good one. And you know, this is this is shameful for me because I want to say over, but I'm I'm gonna say under. But it it's like eighty one. <laughs> okay. I think it, he, I think he's gonna 80, finish was, at eighty one. Okay. Just because I'm gonna write that down. Here. Yeah, eighty one percent. Max Joseph, uh, Max Joseph, one point two offensive rebounds per game. Okay, which right now I think he's just under one a game. Gotcha. But, but uh, well, games will get bigger; they'll matter more. And you think that if the rotation ends up shrinking, Max is not going to lose minutes? No, I didn't think certainly so. not. Um, yeah, I think 
I think you could probably pencil that for over. Okay. I think. Okay. I think it's close. These are good. These are good so far. Good well, sets well, by you. Well, here's one that's not good. Oh. I got ambitious <laughs> with Bakari Evelyn. <laughs> oh, yeah, I remember Five this and one. a half assists Five per game. Five and a half assists and per I'm game. Thinking like, I was thinking like NBA numbers, not college numbers yeah. when I was doing this. I'm like, five mm. and a half is like a decent... No, five and a half would set the program record for assists. Yeah, right. They're close enough. Like, Keith Carter never approached this. Yeah, he was around four. And Keith Carter was never asked to score 30 points a game. No, sure. uh, So it's a pretty solid under. Yeah, go ahead with under. I'm going to put under down for you. But where do you think he does finish? Because right now he's got 26 assists in seven games. It's just a tick under four assists a game. I think this is kind of where we would have expected... Um, Bakari to be at in that high threes range. I think, I think he could maybe push it, I, but I don't. I don't see it going. You know, as high as as you have set. So maybe, under if maybe for me. four point one five would have been a better. Yeah, and that would still probably because I think be four and a half is realistic for him. Okay, I do, but uh, yeah, under under the five and a five and a half for that. All right, Marcus Golder, one half of the Flight Brothers. <laughs> Correct. 30 dunks. 30 dunks. And what's he at right he's now? He's got nine he's at, at the nine. moment. But you remember, he's got nine, and a handful of them were against non-D1 teams. Yes. And, and when you get to more athleticism on the opposing side, is he going to be able to get those? Exactly. 30, like, right now, it, it screams over, I mm. think. But at the same time, it's like... he's gonna How many games 20, are on the schedule? 30-some, you know, depending on the Missouri Valley Conference tournament and postseason. Okay, let's just say let's just say 35 because we're at 7. Yes. So that means we are a fifth through. 28 more games, relatively speaking. 28 uh, more games. That's that's four more seasons. He's got nine through seven. It just screams over, but then you start to think about... Yeah, you know... They're going to be going up against guys who punch back. Right, and and how tall... Is, Marcus is like 6'6", six, six, right? 6'6". Six, I think so. Five, maybe? He Well, it doesn't really matter what his height is when he's on the ground because he's no, rarely he can, on the ground. Yeah, he's, no, he can fly. I mean, that's for sure. That's no doubt. I'm just trying to think, you know, as players get bigger and take up more space, you know, will we see him try to dunk on people or, you know, will they just be open lane type, you know? I mean, I think he's pretty ambitious no matter what. So uh, it looks six, like 6'6". Six. Six, six. You know... I'm gonna go. I'm gonna say under, but not by a lot. You were uh, you were going every other here. That that's the first one that you've uh, you've had two unders in a row. Yeah. Uh, and here comes a third under in a row. I think Joe Burton. When I th- I set this with the idea that and we hadn't seen him play yet. Right. The idea that he was going to be the leading scorer at 16.5 points a game. He's right now averaging 9.4 points a game. You know that number is going to go up. Yeah. But. But even so, these five games of only 47 points total, I don't know. I mean, he'd have to really go off in order to jump that up. I'd be way. more inclined to say over if I thought that Tavon's input would, would decline, but I just don't see that happening. Yeah, I'd go under. But I think Joe will get up to, you know, 13. I think 13, 14 maybe. Here's a really interesting one. Martin Linson. Eight and a half minutes a game over under. Oh boy! Oh, okay. He rarely plays in the first half. He does, um, and and he played a ton of minutes against Kent in State, the one game, which is yep. what has kind of 
put him at 11 minutes mm. a game right now. Yeah, I think that's going to go down. I'm going to say under. Okay. That's like that's a lot in a row. Four unders in a row. Jeez. Jay Soroya, 50% from the field. If he's, he's 10 of 19 right now. Oh, I'm over. I'm over on that over? one. Yeah, mm-hmm. okay. definitely. I, th- I, I think Jay takes smart shots. I think he does a good job of converting around a basket. All right. Uh, Derek Smith's. <laughs> we should have said it at over under 80% from the field from him, but uh, uh, probably even more unrealistic here so far, over under 30 blocks. He has one. He, he has two. He has two. Yeah, I'm going to go uh, I'm going to go under. Okay. On that one. Okay. That's I think probably... he told he told Vashiel Fernandez when he got here he was going to break the his blocks record. And um that's a real story? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's um but, but Derek is Derek what I like about Derek is that Derek Derek knows what he's what he's doing. Out sure, there, no, know? yeah, like, yeah. no. Again, he's played really. He's played well this year. That's just that's still. I'm still thinking about that story. Like, did know. he just go up to him and be like, "Listen, <laughs> you can." It's gone. I don't think it was like on the recruiting <laughs> visit. Like, hey, thanks for housing me on the visit. I'm gonna break your. Yeah, box. right. I don't think it was like that. I think it was like Vashiel, man, you're awesome. I hope to one day break yeah, your I'm box sure. record. Yeah, I can. I can. I can imagine. Although I, I like Hi, it. Hi, nice to meet you. I'm the person that's gonna be taking your record. Like, I, you know, I I like it if it's that story. That would have been hilarious. <laughs> um, hey, don't let the door hit you on the way up <laughs> i'm gonna block it yeah i'm uh, <laughs> i'm going under i'm going okay. under. okay malik mcmillan four and a half rebounds a game ah that's uh, that's an under for yeah, me yeah it's it's the depth of this team really hurts these over yeah there's a because everyone I think, does something i think if you, you looked know? at each one of these players and gave them 25 minutes a game a lot of this stuff would be yeah it's more realistic yeah and here's an easy one for you i think john kaiser ten and a half minutes a game over yeah, over. Okay. I mean, that's, that's. It seems to be as though that's what's going to happen. I should that should have been set at like six minutes in the first half. Over. <laughs> yeah. All right. Wins over under nineteen and a half. You had to put it at the twenty mark. That's. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> why would you look, do that? I did. I mean, <laughs> look. You're from Vegas. You know how this. No. Works. Yeah. No. You no. Pick, for sure. It's, you pick the thing that's supposed to make the. the it's a popular number. It's a gamble. Either way. Twenty's good. Um. Well, see, here's the thing. Seven and zero. It's like we talked about before. You know, this screams over, right? But yeah, there's thirteen look, more wins I gotta find. Right? Can you find thirteen more wins on the schedule? That's and, what I'm. That's what I'm saying. And you know, conference. It's a different conference. It's a different. It's conference. a different year. I look. I want to say over. I really do. Um, I, I want to say over. <laughs> Because, Are you going to talk yourself into it because, right now? Because it's 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 seven and zero right now. Potential to be eight. Then you only need twelve. You play good teams. You have a, you have a pretty good non-con. They have six road games coming up. Yeah, they do, and they're against good teams. Who's that? Who besides there's Purdue, Ball State, State Northwestern, Western, who else? Santa Clara, UC Riverside. I can't tell you anything about those teams right now. And then conference play. So what? Okay, so this was this is what, your best set. What do they go? What do they go in conference? Ten, ten and eight. Do, do they go? Do they go twelve and six? If they yeah. go twelve and six, then you got to take over. 
Because let's okay, let's say they let's say they win the next one and then two on the road, two and four in that trip. So that's um. Come on, Gatewood, do math. You, reali- ten, you realize ten, you're talking but, about one of the 28 undefeated teams in the country right now, and you're predicting four losses in their next six games. I'm being the good the devil. No, the I get it. I here. get it. So that's ten. So they would need they would need ten conference wins. And again, and then and, I said, and then this is this is twenty wins for the entire season, and we haven't even gotten to the oh, next couple of questions. Postseason, okay. You know, I mean, if they, if look, they're seven and zero now. Well, hold on, let's not jump questions. Well. Let's let's answer <laughs> this one while we're doing it right now. You, we just kept talking, so I'm going to say over nineteen and a half wins. I'm let, let me be clear. I'm not. What I don't if, have what, a ton of conviction. What if it was 20.5? Well, then I'd walk out, and <laughs> Union Street Hoops would end right here. That's All right, well, we're going to continue. Arch Madness wins. we gotta, we, we, we're going to wrap this up. Wins. Arch Madness Golly. wins 1.5 1. over under. I'm going to go Do under. The, okay. I, I think one. What? Okay. That's another good – It's a, that's a decent set. I it's tough. It's a new conference. You, you don't, don't really know. What to know. I mean, look, you'd think in the Horizon League, one point five would be over. You take over, yeah. Absolutely. Well, I mean, given that they get like the double buy, there's no double buy in this thing. Uh, but Valpo would have been under the last two years. So, yep. um, finish in the Missouri Valley Conference. Are they going to finish higher than three point five or lower? Are they going to finish first, second, third? Or are they going to finish fourth? Through yeah, time? this was interesting. I preseason, I thought, I thought like fourth. Okay. Maybe fifth, so I'm gonna stick with under on that one. But you know, the the more I watch this team play and the depth of everything, it's I, I feel like me taking unders on a lot of these is I don't feel great about it. Okay, postseason victories, not including the conference tournament. So if they make it to yeah. the tournament, postseason victories zero point five. So they have to win a game. Great. They have to win a game. Good. Okay, so, so they, they make can't it, make the NIT. So if they, if they make it to the NCAA tournament, they got to win a game there. If they make it yeah. to the NIT, they got to win there. If they buy a CIT, CBI, CIT. or Vegas, whatever tournament that may or may not be. Uh, so this is the tough question because, like, okay, so does this Valpo team make it to the NCAA tournament? If they do, chances of them winning a game will go down considerably right. just based on pure opponent Yeah, I'll than say, if they go to the CIT or CBI. So if you think... If you take over here, you're basically probably saying that they're a CBI CIT team. If you take under, you either think they're terrible or you think they're an NIT or NCAA team and they're going to struggle. This is a really loaded... Right. So, um, yeah, let's just go ahead and point out that you pretty much took every word that I was going to say and and verbalized it. So I saw uh, the look on your face. Yeah. You're in anguish right so, now. So... Um, so yeah, um, that those are Paul Oren's thoughts, and Parker Gatewood's answer is, uh, I guess I will, I'll take under. Under, okay, one. you have no faith. Uh, um, no, that's you know, stop that. <laughs> We're not ESPN. We're not putting words in mouths. All right, stay, <laughs> stay in your lane, Parker. <laughs> oh, okay. Longest conference winning streak: two and a half games over under. Oh uh, yeah, that was. A, I remember when I saw that one. I was like, that's a, that's a fun set because. To win three games in a row in conference, that's and that's and big. keep in mind, keep in mind, at no point in conference play do you play three straight home, home or games. three straight road games. It's right. two, 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 two the mm-hmm. whole way through. You know, I I think Valpo is good enough that if if schedule kind of aligns, they say they get two teams in a row that they can beat, and then they just need to take a win. 
I think I think that's possible. Um, yeah, I, I mean it's. I'm but, gonna go over. I'm gonna go over. Okay. Well, all right. Well, then. I th- but I th- that being said, I think three will be the absolute. Okay, most. that's fair. That's fair. Um, so then, longest conference losing streak, two and a half. Oh, over under. Okay. Um, uh, so under would be less games, right? So I mean, I look at right now this stretch early on at Northern Iowa, at, at Missouri, Missouri State, State home Loyola. against Loyola. Like, I mean, those are three of the top four teams in the league, right there. Yeah. Look, I don't, I don't see Valpo losing three in a row. Okay, so you say under. Okay. I, just, I don't see that happening. Average home attendance, 3,000. They're at 2,500 yeah, through four uh, games. Yeah, I was going to say. We, you know. But I'm telling you, I think that these road teams are going to travel more in conference than we've ever seen before. If you think about it. I want to go ahead. After tonight, which is probably not going to be a great attendance game, the students are probably going to be doing homework. Um, and I just don't know that Utah State, while it's a great opponent, I don't know that Utah State screams marquee no. opponent like it should. Um, you know, then the remaining remaining nine games at home are against Valley. You're shaking your head. You're going under? You're not talking me into this one, Paul. <laughs> I don't, three, you said 3,000, right? Yes. Yeah. No. 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 Okay. They, I mean, look. No, that's I'm with you. We've been to the games. <laughs> The student uh, section, Valparaiso, you got to get your act together. That's it's. I mean, it's miserable. Even, I can't wait to go through these numbers at the end of the year. Oh yeah. So, and actually, we're having a contest too because a bunch of people, about twenty people, filled this out, and the whoever gets the most, it's a special guest on Union Street Hoops. So oh, whoever, yeah, well, that's cool. that's no fun for everyone else because I'm always the guest. So, well, I know, but if, so if you again. win, good. Well, then you can be like the main host. Oh, fa- <laughs> oh, oh, wow, what an honor! Um, now, the, uh, greetings. This is uh, that's, <laughs> I can see it now. <laughs> More. This is great, particularly right now. This is great. More assists or turnovers. Valpo has 101 assists oh my and gosh. 100 turnovers right now. Right. It's just, uh, Who, what, more assists or turnovers, and the tiebreaker is how many more in either direction. Well, interesting. Think. Didn't Wasn't it the other game, Valpo had like the fewest assists they've had? Yeah, and, they had three assists and 16 turnovers, yeah. and they won the game by... I think Valpo's a smart team. I th- I'll take I'll take more assists than turnovers. I think you're insane, but... <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I think uh wait oh no see no I, I wrote it down ah you did okay it, I wasn't thinking about the prize I was thinking I was just thinking success well you're gonna win the prize um okay and how many more sister turnovers like one or two it's a few you know it's, it's like point five a game Oh, you didn't write down my number yet. No, I didn't write down. I don't have your number. I just have that you have stated that you think Valpo will have more assists and turnovers okay, well, I than re- I called you insane after you I wanna, said that. Yeah, I want to retract that statement. I, it's written in pen. Uh, you don't have white out? <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'll say like four assists more. Okay. Very good. All right. Fantastic, Parker. This is going to be a fun season. Uh, at this rate, we'll do another one of these things midway through the conference season. And Great. then, we'll, no, we'll be back next week. You know, Valpo, they've got Utah State tonight. And then we'll, uh, we'll be back to preview the Purdue game. And we'll figure out if 8 no, or 7 and 1 is going into Mackey Arena. Yes. And uh, so, very good. This is Union Street Hoops, episode number 42. Thrilled to have a special guest on the podcast right now. This is episode number 42. 
and we've got number 42 here, uh, one of the all-time greats to ever suit up for the Valpo basketball team. He's in Germany right now, and we've got Dan Opland on the line. Dan, what? I mean, first of all, what is it, 11 o'clock where you are right now? Yes, 11 o'clock on the dot. Very good. Um, what? Uh, you're in Germany. You've been a professional basketball player now for, I mean, it's got to be 10-plus years. Uh, what? How are, how are things been going for you? Uh, great, man. Yeah, this is year number 12 for me. Uh, I've been in Germany the last four years, and I've bounced around here and there. And, uh, yeah, man, it's been great. Uh, I'm actually thinking about retiring after this season, and uh, I married a girl from Germany. I'm probably going to end up over here, stay over here for a while, and trying to move on to the next phase of my life. But it's been great. It's been a, a great 12 years since I left Alpo. Very good. I, I want to talk to you about your time at Valpo a bit, and then uh, and then we'll talk about you know your your post college career. What was it like joining a Valpo team that had had a ton of seniors on the year before? They'd been to the NCAA tournament a handful of times. They were the group that followed the Bryce Drew group. You were kind of a new era of Valpo basketball. Was there pressure? joining the team after the Lubos Bartons and Milo Stovalls and Jared Nunez's went their separate ways? Uh, yeah, I mean, being a freshman, you know, you hear the stories about the tournament and uh, there's a little bit of, I mean, you always feel that kind of pressure. You don't know what to expect being a freshman, but, but uh, you know, we had some uh, some veterans, especially guys like Greg Tonegal and, uh, you know, uh, Kikis and Kikis Gomez and Ritus and, you know, they were pretty... Uh, open to, to, to especially me and my brother and Seth when we came in, they really kind of helped and guided us. But uh, So it made it really easy uh, as a freshman coming in. And you just try to learn those values uh, from what those guys did before, and you just hope to bring the success that was previously there. Your first college game, do you remember who you went up against? Yeah, Carmelo Anthony, Syracuse. I remember it, man. What's that like knowing that? You, I mean, you had you had to have known even that year that he was Carmelo, right? Yeah, for sure, for sure. I mean, I remember. I can remember vividly being in the room the night before, and I just said, I wasn't like scared or anything. You said butterflies, and you're just thinking, man, uh, going against Syracuse in the in the Carrier Dome against you know Carmelo Anthony, and it's it's pretty special. I mean, you. I tell guys that story to this day, just, just you know, suiting up against them my first college career. It was a really neat experience. I obviously wish we would have won the game, but – and then the fact that they turned out to be national champs made it even crazier, you know. So it was it was pretty cool. And, and yeah, and, and they go on to, to do that. And and so in that year, your, your first year, you guys end up – it's kind of – it's like a bittersweet year, I would think, because – you end up losing in the championship game, not going to the tournament. But for the first time in like program history, Valpo had gotten in that large bid to a postseason tournament. First time in modern, you know, the modern era here, Valpo got an at-large yeah. bid, uh, and, and you played in the NIT against Iowa. What do you What do you remember from that experience? Yeah, I mean, it was uh, it was kind of funny because you know you lose in the tournament. That's all you ever hear about is going to the tournament, going to the tournament, and uh, it's pretty devastating at first. You know, and because you even see our seniors were pretty down, and then, you know, we get this bid to play in the NIT, and I think it was the only game on that night too. It was a national broadcast game, ESPN 
2 or whatever it was. It was on ESPN, one of the ESPNs. And, uh, and this is back in a time when Valpo was never on ESPN, and this yeah, was a yeah, huge exactly. deal. Yeah, it was a real big deal, and I remember that, and uh, it was actually really cool. I mean, it was, it, was, it was awesome. It was a great game. It was back and forth. We actually, you know, we, we, we could have won it. And, you know, I got, I got some time, and I really uh, – it was really enjoyable, you know. I, it made me more excited for the next – for what was to come. I, I just – it was one of those moments where it was kind of like, okay, man, this is this is pretty cool. This is what it's all – and uh, even, like I said, even though we lost that game, it was still a cool experience, definitely. Your next year, your sophomore year, uh, you know, it, it starts off. You, you play a tournament at Marquette. And in really kind of a tough, non a brutal non-conference schedule, yeah. But you get in the conference and and you you work your way through that, and then the middle of conference season you get to go play at Duke. What do you remember from yeah. that experience? That was uh, that was something else. Yeah, that was pretty crazy. Uh, yeah, I, I I still tell people about those times playing at Duke. It's just really hard to explain because just the the atmosphere. There's nothing like it, you know. And you'll never. You'll never experience anything ever like that. And uh, I can remember being in the locker room and just being, I mean, first trying to explain a talking in there or something. You could barely hear in the locker room, you know. They're just, the fans are just on you, you know. And uh, it was something else. I mean, it was really cool. I mean, I, I, uh, like I said, I haven't had experience like that in basketball since then. And uh, um, it was something I'll never forget. And, I mean, I was lucky we got to go back there. Yeah, your year. senior year, yeah, you played there. The home game or the home game, the United Center game on the junior year. So to play against a program like that for three times, most people would just love to have it once. So uh, I was very lucky, very blessed, and it was, uh, man, it was an incredible, incredible experience. In your freshman year, you had that game at the United Center against Notre Dame where Tonegal had a shot to yep. to win it at the end and, uh, you know, got to play against the United, United Center uh, against Duke as well. So were those fun experiences? I, kn- I know that both were losses, but can, I mean, could you take joy out of out of going through the process there? I think so. I think so, especially with uh, where we were at, the program was at that time. I mean, you know, to, to even get those type of games was really cool, you know? I mean, and, uh, you know, you always, like, I, you always want to win, and that that's obviously something that you always try to do but just to be a part of that and, and, and for me personally it just gave me a lot of confidence and it made me realize that that I could you know I could play with uh, you know with, 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 with the top players in the country and that I think that uh, was something for me um, that I really hung my hat on and I just really strive to work that's I mean that pushed me to work even harder my next few years so um, I think it's uh, those experiences are just something that you know, if you take them the right way, it can just catapult you to, to another level. Your sophomore year, you go back to the Mid-Continent Conference Tournament. You beat Oakland. You beat UMKC. And then you get the rematch against IUPUI. How, how much did, did you – I mean, is that, out of all your college games, maybe the game that you wanted more than any other just to, uh, to maybe get a little bit of revenge on them for the year before? And, and just what do you remember from that game? Yeah, I mean that was. Uh, I can remember. I, I mean, I remember it was. Yeah, it was very. Uh, that was an intense feeling, and I mean that was just that. Like you basically said, that was just one of those games you wanted to get. I mean, we couldn't. We couldn't lose to them again back to back. 
you know, that's everyone's been talking about the tournament, the experience, this and that. And uh, it was, uh, I, I can't remember even for me, I think I was a little even too amped because I didn't really play well that game. I remember that. But everyone else, the guys really stepped up at the right times. And uh, it was, I mean, when that buzzer rang, we had to win. I mean, that was one of the best feelings I've ever had. There's a great photograph. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it was unbelievable. I mean, I I've won championships over here. I've won a high school championship, but I don't know that 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 was tough to beat. I mean, that was that was just special. I mean, that was just something else. And it was, you know, like I said, you don't think at that time as a sophomore, you, you think you're going to get back. You know, you know. I think maybe I didn't. T- I, I sometimes I kind of think, man, maybe I kind of took it for granted. Because, you know, we never did get back, and it was just, it was something else. It was it was cool. I mean, it was just. It was amazing. So, the second half of your college career, your junior year was—I mean, you've got Ali Burdeal goes down with an injury. Kenny yeah. Harris has, you know, the situation that he had. What I mean, what do you remember from from those moments? Anything stand out to you of going through that? I mean, obviously, one is a is a basketball injury, and one is a is a life injury at that point. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, the, the thing, you know, Ali. Obviously, that was that was tough. Obviously, the basketball part, but. But the thing with Kenny, that just put everything in perspective. I mean, that put life in perspective. I mean, just realize what you're, you know, what we're doing is not that important. But the fact that he could overcome that and come back was just a blessing, and showed the kind of character he had as a person. And uh, um, I think the guys in the team, even though we didn't have the success in one of that year, I think they benefited from, you know, going through those those difficult moments and just trying to get better mentally not only as a basketball player, but as a person as well. So I think that's all you can do, you know. And I, I got to ask you about your senior year. Um, it's it's an odd year because, so this past season, Valpo had the, the 2016-17 year, Valpo had a giant senior class. And, uh, and, and one thing led to another. They had some injuries. A player got you know, had to sit out for half the season and, and ultimately the team did not reach its goals. And a lot of the talk around the program, people that have been around it for a long time, myself or play by play guys have been, it felt a little bit like that. Oh, five Oh six team where when the season starts, you point to all the seniors and everything. And then as the year goes on, it just never really gets kind of on track. What, what was, is there regret from the senior year or, or just how do you, what, what do you think about how all that went down? Yeah, I still, I still think about it. I've talked about that. I still, you know, I, being a senior too, I, 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 you know, I was a captain, I, I was a leader, and I, you know, I, it, it hurts because I think we, we had the talent to, you know, not only get in there, get, get in the term, you know, maybe make, you know, make some noise here and there. But like I said, I think we had six or seven guys, six guys that went on to play professional. Yeah, well. loaded. We were, uh, yeah, we just never. We just underachieved. I mean, that's all it was. I mean, that's, that's all you can say bluntly. I mean, it's just we never figured it out. And you know, we had our moments. We show we showed moments, but we just we just couldn't put it together. And uh, it was it's very disappointing. You know, when you have that type of talent, you, and you get that that group together. And uh, but I think mentally, it made me stronger, and it, it prepared me for the for the, the you know the next level. But it was—it's definitely something I still think about, you know. I, mean, I just feel like we should have gotten back with that team, but you know, that's life sometimes. So. You, I, I'm not even sure if you realize how revered you are among the Valpo fans who who point to 
you know, the Dan Opland teams as some of the hardest working teams that were out there. And, and they call them, it's funny, they call them the Dan Opland teams because that's every, it seems every era is, is punctuated by a player. Uh, and, and the Valpo fans talk about how, you know, you, you were just a guy that showed up and grinded night in and night out. What was your philosophy? I mean, to go from a freshman who, who got a little bit of minutes there and to, to really become, I think you were, you were almost all conference, uh, sophomore year, junior year and, and moving forward. I, you know, I just, um, I've always, you know, I've always had a work ethic. I always had the confidence, you know, the, the transition pressure was tough, you know, and I, I took it hard at times. You know, when you expect certain things, you know, I, I expected that I could start and play more minutes, and, you know, it didn't work out that way. That was hard for me at, at first, and then, um, you know, I asked with you, going into my sophomore year, just hearing about the freshman class coming in, it's all you kind of heard about, because they had a, it, it was a really high class that year, it ranked or whatever, and you know, you hear guys saying, you know, you know, I don't know, it's going to be tough for you, this and that. It just, it motivated me, you know. And then from then on, I was just in a completely different uh, state of mind. And, you know, I had my brother, I had Mike there. Mike pushed, you know, we pushed each other so hard. So, you know, I just kind of took my work, the workload, the shooting, the lifting, all that to just a different level. And uh, it paid off. But, uh, you know, like I always say, if you're prepared and you, and you 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 prepare it so hard to a point where you should, the confidence will just be there. You know, it just comes to you. And I think that just kind of kind of happened for me, and it just worked out. So, a couple of quick hitting questions for you here, as I know it's late in Germany at the moment. What? Uh, who was the toughest opponent that you went against in college? Uh, you know, and and if maybe I mean Duke, that's that's one thing, but. Is there a player maybe in the midcon that you went up against that that you knew was going to be a tough battle night in and night out against them? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I think right now, I mean, Caleb Green at Oral Roberts, you know, he was uh, he play he's kind of like a different played a little bit like me, a little bit more skilled, I would say, but just he was very he could score, he was tough, he was mentally, I was always at a different mindset going into games against him. I mean, he was probably. A guy that I was always uh, extra motivated to play against, you know. And I mean, he's had a great career professionally as well. But he was a heck of a player, and that was probably a guy I would think of that was really someone that was really tough to play against. What about uh, teammates? Who was there a guy that uh, either when you first got there as a freshman or later on that uh, that was a good battle for you in practice? Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, well, freshman year was, I mean, you got a guy like Ritus. When Ritus was, was motivated, man, he was, <laughs> that was the key with him, just the motivation. But when he was, man, he was so tough. I learned a lot from him just to, just how to read the game and play. And uh, I personally think if he had his mind right, he would he would, he would, he would have been the best to ever come out of Alpha. I, mean, I think he was that talented for his size. And, I mean, he was just unbelievable. And then, like, uh, Kikis. Kikis was uh, always pushing me, you know, and I learned a lot from him, and uh, uh, it was enjoyable. To, I'm glad I had another year with him because we really pulled well together. Um, that My sophomore year, I remember, uh, we, we, we had a lot of fun. So I would say those two guys, I mean, specifically, they really pushed me. Um, I mean, obviously, like, you know, I got Mike, my brother, when he was there, but he was only there for first years, but he was always pushing me. I mean, 
there was that was like going against myself. So you know, guys like that. But that was those were the guys that really stick out. That really you know tough tough to go against and practice every day. How unique of a situation is it when you're a senior and they bring in a guy like Mo Kone? We saw this my senior year. I'm a year I graduated in '02. And uh, Lubos Barton was the senior star, and they brought in Tony Falou that didn't really work out. You know, he's there for – and I, I always remember it was it was a unique challenge for those seniors to say, wait a minute, who is this new guy? What what was that like for you to, uh, to you know, your senior year, big man on campus, and they bring in this this, this beast of a center? Uh, what was that like? I mean, I was uh, – I was – yeah, I, it was, I didn't feel threatened or anything. It was fine. It was – kind of exciting i did i was just you know um just hearing about the type of player it was and i mean to bring a talent like that into valpo was pretty special um obviously didn't we didn't get where we wanted to get but uh yeah it was it was surprising you know i remember literally i was like wow we're getting the guy it was like in the fall or whatever that they were going to bring him in and uh you know um it, it you know obviously it didn't work out like we wanted to. I wouldn't say we, me and him, had the best relationship. I mean, we we were fine, but it was just, uh, you know, it was wasn't like, a, you know, I was best friends with the guy, but you know, I, he definitely uh, added some to the team. But you know, in the end, it just, you know, we still, like I said, we underachieved, and I don't know if we had too much talent or what the what the reason was, but you know, that's that's the way it was. So I always think when I think about. Lubosh and Tony Falou or you and Mo Kone, I always think about the Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers, uh, yeah. you know, kind of bringing that in there. I'm a, I'm a Green Bay guy, and uh, and that's what I always think about. So uh, talk about the professional career. Where have you been, and, and where's been your favorite place to play? Yeah. Uh, you know, I didn't really have a plan. Plan. I didn't think I was going to play that last this long, but, you know, uh, yeah, coming out of college, you know, I had a – just did went to Portsmouth and did that whole thing and you know that was okay but I knew overseas was where, was where I was going to go and uh, uh, I started in uh, Holland my first year, 2006. Then I went to Poland the next year. Then from Poland I went to Sweden and then from Sweden I went to uh, Germany. Then Germany I went to Austria for four years. Then from Austria I went to Finland for a year. Then I came back to Germany for the last four years. Is it I've kind of been back and forth and stuff? So. Is it, it looks you've been with the same team for a couple of years now, right? Yeah, four years. My fourth year. Is yeah. that that seems like a rarity? I mean, I look at some of these Valpo guys. Valpo's had a ton of guys since since. I mean, your your team put a bunch of people professionally, and it's it's kind of been the standard now. Is a lot of guys are coming to Valpo and they go play professionally, and most yeah. of them are at their team for a year, and then they move to another league, move to another team. Yeah. And it's later on in their career when they find some consistency. Is it, is it nice now to have a, a set place to call home, so to speak? Well, yeah. I mean, like I, uh, I came into this situation, come to this team with it. This was would probably be my last stop because, like I said, my wife's from Germany, and you know, I was getting to the point where I wanted to prepare for the next phase. I'm actually getting my master's right now nearby, so that was part of the deal too. But. uh yeah, like in Austria, just, you know, when you're in a situation where, where the money's good and then, you know, they take care of you, you know, I just figured, you know, why not? Why not stay? And then instead of chancing at another place where I might make more money, but it might not be the, the, the same situation, you know? So I just always found comfort in that. 
you know, and, and having like a second home and, uh, it, it's worked out for me. You know, I, I've really enjoyed it and I've gotten to be closer to the people, the fans. And, you know, that's kind of, I was about, but I kind of, you know, I like to build relationships with people and, you know, it's always a nice thing to have. So. Have you been able to keep up with Valpo at all? I mean, I know it's I mean, you, you. Luke Gore is still here, and Todd Eichau yeah. is still here, and that's about it from your time. Yeah, yeah you know, I talk to Luke every once in a while. I'll, I'll shoot him a little, uh, a little Facebook, but I try to follow him. You know, I, I don't watch him like I wish I could, but uh, I know now. You know, they're seven and zero right now. They're having a good start, but you know, I'm always, I'm always following them, man. I got them on ESPN. They're my favorite team. So, you know, I always got the scores. The scores are always flashing, so I'm always seeing how they're doing. You know, I always follow, follow the outboard. You know, that's, you know, that's it's in your heart, you know. You know, you're always going to be be one of them. So, yeah, I, I keep tabs and, you know, I was really excited for the the Peters kid. You know, I, I you know, it was really cool to see that, you know, how, how he, you know, can make that jump to the NBA. I think that's awesome. You know, I think that was uh, really cool and I tried to follow, follow his career and it was it was really, really amazing what he did at Valpo. I know that it's been 12 years since you played at Valpo, um, but Valpo's moved to the Missouri Valley Conference. Does that make you just wish you could have one more year in a college uniform and go go play Arch Madness in St. Louis, your hometown? Oh, man, are you kidding me? Heck yeah. I mean, it would, I was when Horizon, I would have loved to play in the Horizon League. I think that's, that's cool. But, yeah, the Missouri Valley, that's – when I saw that, I was – I wasn't surprised that like that, that, that they couldn't play it, but I was surprised that they that they got it. I thought that was awesome. So yeah, I think that's really cool. You know, I think that's. Uh, I mean that that that's just the building. You know, trying to build the program up. You know, so. We'll see how to do this year. I don't know how the league's going to be, but I'm really really hoping they can uh, make some noise. Very good. Well, again, thank you very much, Dan, for taking the time to chat with us here on Union Street Hoops. It's been it's been wonderful to catch up with you, and and I hope that uh, once the retirement hits, I know you said you might stay over there, but but you got to get back to Valpo for a game at some point. I've got a feeling that uh, you get a loud ovation from the Valpo fan base here. I appreciate that, man. Thanks for the time. I, I love to love to come back, and I can't wait to wait to do that one day. But tell everyone I say hello and good luck with everything, man. All right, take care, Dan. Thank you very much. Bye. Dan Opland on Union Street Hoops, and that'll do it for episode number 42 with number 42, Valpo, Utah State, tonight at the Arc. If you're catching this later on in the week, is Valpo 8-0? Are they 7-1? We'll talk about it all next week with Parker Gatewood. Thanks, Paul Oren with the Northwest Indiana Times. <laughs>